Hey everyone, John here, and welcome back to episode number four of The Wealth of Self. In today's podcast, we're joined by Karis Williams, who is a health coach, personal trainer, and health educator serving clients in the Washington, D.C. and greater Washington area. Now, I haven't known Karis very long, but I really resonated with her right off the bat because much like myself, she is a small business owner. Her business focuses on diet, exercise, nutrition, and overall health outcomes for her clients, which is incredibly important. In today's episode, we're going to dive in and look at her upbringing, her father being in the Air Force, her mother as a nurse, and how she had an opportunity to live in states all across America, and how those experiences as a young person really educated and informed her decisions moving forward. But also, her spiritual connection and looking at all the synchronicities between all of us, all of these commonalities that we share, really paying attention to those details and how those details help inform how we treat one another. That treatment has extended into her business ownership where she is trying to help anyone and everyone working with her realize the best versions of themselves. I'm really excited for you to be along with us on this podcast and learn about Karis's story. Welcome to The Wealth of Self. Thanks for tuning in to episode number four of The Wealth of Self. We're joined today in the studio by Karis Williams. This is somebody who I just met by complete happenstance, I guess, a concierge by the name of Phil Green, who will be on this podcast before too much longer, introduced us, uh, mostly on the premise of you having a really incredible website, first and foremost. But since that time, we've had the opportunity to create some content together, and I'm super excited to have her in today to share her health journey, but also her journey as a business owner, serving as a health coach, um, serving the population in and around Washington, D.C. So I wanted to kick it over to Karis and just say, hey, what's up? Hey, <laughs> I'm happy to be here. Absolutely. I'm glad we were able to finally connect on this because since meeting you, I, I always really like to meet business owners because I think it takes a sort of special tenacity to to say to yourself and everyone around you, like, hey, I'm going to go try and do this thing and make something for myself. Um, it's not It's not easy to do. And it takes a lot of fortitude, and there are certainly a lot of uh, failing points along the way that you sort of just have to overcome gradually. So yeah. um, I'm, I'm very happy that you made some time this evening to come in and, Thank and you. chat. Absolutely. So, you know, the wealth of self is all about trying to discover people's, their image, their goals, different struggles that they may have gone through along mm -hmm. their path in life and, and how that's made them wealthier. But I think it'd be great to have an introduction and then sort of go back to the beginning and hear a little bit about your origins and then build up from there. So tell me about who is Karis Williams. Okay. Um, I grew up in a family of seven people. So it's five kids and two parents. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it was a lot of us and yeah. um, four sisters, one brother. And all by himself. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We loved him dearly though. So yeah. he was happy. That's good. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> what about what about your parents? Tell me a little bit about mom and dad and sort of what why were you why were you in Maryland? Was that sort of where the family always always was from or did you yeah. how okay. did that look? Yeah, so my dad, he was a doctor in the mm -hmm. Air Force. So he was working at like Andrews Air Force Base and yeah, then he also by. had his own practice that he would do yeah. in Maryland. So mm -hmm. that's what was that's what kind of had us over there. Mm -hmm. But we moved a lot. Um we moved to Nebraska, North Carolina, um Virginia and then back to Maryland. We actually lived in Nebraska like two times. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of moving that happened growing up in like younger years and everything for me anyway. Yeah. So it was really interesting, like yeah. kind of experiencing all the different cultures mm -hmm. and everything from one side of the United States to like another different area of the U.S. You know? Yeah, because you were coast to coast, basically Maryland all the way out to Cali. That's uh, yeah, I did live in California for a year. So yeah. I got to experience the West the Midwest mm -hmm. and the East coast. Do you have a favorite after all that? <laughs> I mean, I feel like the Midwest kind of like stuck with me a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, I definitely felt, I think that I spent like my most impressionable years in the Midwest. So yeah. I just feel like that's like, I like it. That's and a strong connection point. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I like yeah. it. But yeah, East coast is good and I like it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cali's good for like, because it's got great weather. Right. Hard to, hard to beat California. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, I, I would say Nebraska and here mm -hmm. I'm most familiar with. Yeah. For sure. And that's me too, because I grew up in Missouri. And so mm -hmm. my entire life up until the time I left college essentially was, I was a Midwest guy. So oh, that, yeah. that's all I, that's all I know. And that's where family is. And it's just all my formative memories yeah. are, are in Southern Missouri, essentially. And isn't it interesting, the, um, the cultural difference between the Midwest and the East coast? Yeah. There, it's, there are subtleties. The one, I would mm -hmm. say the one really interesting thing about DC is it's such a transient city and there are people from everywhere. I mean, you can go outside and walk mm -hmm. down the wharf, right. And hear like 12 different languages. Yeah. And so there's a really good representation of all kinds of ethnicities, cultures. Mm -hmm. It's a global sort of city, which is interesting. And it certainly wasn't like that yeah. where I grew up for sure. Yeah. So, that, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. But also I wanted to make a note also of, of your dad, because that's the very first person who was on the wealth of self by the name of Whitney Cannon. Her mm -hmm. father was also in the air force, I believe. Oh yeah. And, um, <laughs> I think he was a helicopter pilot and, oh, okay. um, they moved all over the place. That's just mm -hmm. the military lifestyle. So mm -hmm. a lot of folks who have parents who serve, they find themselves continuously shifting from one place yeah. to the next. Oddly enough, though, that wasn't really like why we moved so much. Really? Yeah. It was more like because of family. I see. Okay. Like, yeah, to make sure that we were there with my grandmother, after, you know, to be there after my granddad died. Mm -hmm. And then also for different jobs. So he didn't stay in the Air Force like you know. Right. Yeah, he didn't stay in the Air Force. So whenever it came to your dad's service, how long was he in uh, in the Air Force? I can't remember if it's eight or 12 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. It okay. was one of those two. But it's a pretty yeah. significant amount of time still. Yeah. So. He does actually regret. He wants to, he wished that he had stayed. That military yeah. retirement, man. Oh my <laughs> exactly. God. I think once you hit the 20 year mark, you're officially qualified yeah. for any kind of benefits that would have been associated with it. And then you can go for on. For life, and, yeah. Yeah, pursue your second career as yeah. a lot of people do. So so tell me now, it sort of it sounds like 
dad got, dad was uh, maybe a catalyst for some of those early mm-hmm. moves. Yeah. Um, but w- at what point, you know, was it no longer a decision that was spurred by by his career choice, and it mm-hmm. was more a shift toward we're moving because of family, like the un- unfortunate passing of mm-hmm. a family member, or just a new destination. When did that start hap- started happening? Like what what age range were you in? Yeah, when I was like picking a college to go to, mm-hmm. that's when I started deciding like where I wanted to live, mm-hmm. and I decided that's when I decided to go to California because uh, I was like, ooh, Cali, you know. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm drawn to warm weather places, Mm -hmm. you know. So I went off to California, and I was there for like a year. And uh, I also lived in Alabama for uh, about a year as well. Yeah. Yeah. And was Alabama, was that a place you were living during your collegiate years, or was that a different phase of life? That was after after college, yeah. That was like a relationship, and we were like living together situation. Yeah. Yeah. Another big shift all the way from California yeah. to Alabama. That's that's absolutely. Uh, that's but it was journey. a different it wasn't what people would think of like as the Alabama experience because it was like Huntsville, which is a very um, military yeah. type of. Yeah. Like that. Lots of it's different from like the most of Alabama. I gotcha. It's different. Yeah. OK. So when it came to your schooling. Obviously, now you're a health coach. You do a lot with diet, nutrition and mm-hmm. exercise, physiology, these kind of things. Was that the catalyst early on, and is that what you studied, or what did your what did your academic training look like? So I was always interested in health. Like my dad, he is a doctor actually, right? And my mom, a nurse, and they mm-hmm. both have masters in public health. Oh wow! So like, <laughs> it was kind of like something that we would talk about a yeah. lot, like at home um, with the family and everything at the dinner mm-hmm. table and stuff. So, and then my mom let me, when she was working for the state of Nebraska, mm-hmm. um, she was working like in the public health sector right? and she let me go to conferences and stuff. So I got to oh, like nice. watch speakers and read brochures and learn a lot mm-hmm. of information about health, you know, overall public health and epidemiology Mm -hmm. and things like that. So that sparked my interest. Yeah. Yeah. But when I was in college, I actually changed my major several times. (laughs) I had a lot of interests. Oh, I did too. (laughs) I just like it. I think strike number three was where I mostly figured it out, Mm -hmm. but it it took some time. Yeah, because there are different aspects of yourself that you want to explore, you know. Yeah. But I settled on community health because it's always been my passion, you know, especially – Especially because it's been so like life changing personally mm-hmm. for me, you know. Yeah, and I think yeah. we need good people in that space because there are so many communities, even within the United States, that have essentially no education on how to lead healthy lifestyles. Yeah, and we talked about this before the podcast, but it's like, um, you know, even you growing up with a dad who is a doctor and a mom who's a nurse, you had a lot of like really sort of what a lot of people would consider unhealthy nutritional choices that went into just your normal everyday life. Yeah. Well, you know, parents, they're overwhelmed, you know, they don't always watch every little thing that their kids are eating Mm -hmm. and like kids want to fix something quick that they can eat. So we had like these go-to snacks that we would eat, you Mm -hmm. know, like, chips with cheese on it um salsa (laughs) and sour cream yeah (laughs) um what else Uh, the bread with butter Uh and sugar and cinnamon yes like just that was a snack that i would have and i didn't think anything of it just you know 
Um, what else? Uh, the the microwave burritos with the uh, salsa or ranch Hell or yeah. both of them. It's like yes. some hot pockets going on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but eventually that caught up to me, you mm-hmm. know, and having cake for breakfast too, you know, because like think about it. There's like five kids, seven people in the house. That's already like you're at least going to have a cake every month of the year. For all the birthdays yeah. in the family, you know. Depending on the size of that cake, that could last, a, you know, a for week sure. or so. For sure. We had the three level. We, oh you know, we gosh. had the three-tiered cake. <laughs> yeah. So, like, if there was just cake sitting around in the house and there was, like, nothing to eat at the mm-hmm. time, then I would just cut myself a slice of cake and that was my breakfast, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that ended up catching up to me to the point where in college I required, like, a three-hour nap every single day mm-hmm. just to function. And then, like, when I was driving, when I'd be driving behind the wheel, I'd be fighting falling asleep, you know, so. So you think this yeah. was sort of like, you, you always hear the classic, oh, it's a sugar spike or something like mm-hmm. that where, you know, you'll have this kid who who downs a, a glass of Kool-Aid or, you know, ends up, you know, eating something really sugary. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that, an well, hour later... But- <laughs> You know, but the crazy thing is most people feel like they're eating healthy, you know, because I'm listing off the worst things, right? Right. But those are just common cheat meals, basically. Mm -hmm. But other than that, you're still doing the conventionally healthy things Mm -hmm. and your health is still deteriorating. Right. So it's like there was more that I needed to know to fix the problem yeah because it was still not getting better you know so is that a conversation you've had with your parents since that time where now you're obviously in a position in life where you're very conscientious about what Mm -hmm. you put into your body as far as nutrition is concerned and how you're you're regularly exercising and maintaining that physicality yeah you're you're now in a position where you're very aware of how potentially and realistically detrimental some of those habits Mm -hmm. were as a young girl have you talked to mom and dad mm-hmm. since then and been like, man, what was going on? How, yeah. how did this happen? Well, you know, it's funny because, okay, it sounds crazy, but it's like my dad was a doctor. Mm-hmm. So most doctors eat what in a way that most people would perceive as pretty healthy. And we were vegetarians, you know, like we actually had a specific diet that we were following, mm-hmm. but it just wasn't like there was more to it that I think I didn't know. And I think most people don't know, you know, um, I did have a conversation with them. I talked to my mom about it and she was more embracing. My dad is a creature of habit. Mm -hmm. So like he, he kind of just wants to do what he wants to do. It's like, I already work. I'm going home. I'm just going to do this, you know? So I think people are at different stages of change. Mm -hmm. And my mom was more at that, like closer to that stage of like preparation and, you know, jumping in and getting started action. You know, my dad is, he was like pre-contemplation, contemplation, contemplation, you know? So, yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's another thing. Like even for my own dad, he was very physically fit and continues to be even in his old age, very physically capable. But he and I hereditarily share one terrible trait and that's a sweet tooth. And it's Mm. just like, it's hard to break that habit. And, And, you know, sugar in many ways is very addictive. Even in some lab studies, you talk about sugar being more more addictive than like cocaine or or other addictive substances. And so 
to know that that is sort of an element of our food in America, inevitably, just about in everything that we eat. It's in milk, it's in rice, it's in bread, it's in mm-hmm. any product, essentially, that you pick up off the shelves. There's mm. some, you know, there's some sugar in there. And it's it's just, unless you're naturally sourcing your food or, or you know, you're running a garden or something, I think you'd be hard-pressed to, to totally avoid some of those preservatives and other added sweeteners yeah, it's, and things it's like a that. real... Like you have to be like really diligent about what you put in your body and you have mm-hmm. to read your labels because even if you're reading your labels, you'll run into something that you've been buying for years and then you'll see and you'll it's like it changed. Yeah, that's not the ingredients that were on there when I first bought it, you right. know, so we have to like always be diligent and vigilant, yeah. you know, checking ingredients yeah, and stuff that's yeah. very important well another thing that you talked about also was that you know whenever you were moving around you had an opportunity to really self-identify who you were more clearly and you you talked about how a part of that was because you got to experience so many different sort of subsections of the cultures in america yeah. And and that's an inter- an interesting thing about the United States is that you can go to another state and in a lot there are similarities obviously but mm-hmm. you know they have their own way of doing yeah. things in some instances. So I was I was hoping you could tell me and dive a little deeper on that yeah. about you know some how of the did differences. Those, well, not just some of the differences, but how you were able to absorb some of those pieces of mm-hmm. information mm-hmm. and how it helped you sort of identify who you were and what you wanted mm-hmm. to do on a deeper level. Yeah. Um yeah, it's really interesting. Like there are some subtle differences that I feel I would notice. Like in one community, I'm let's say you're you grow up in one community in mm-hmm. the beginning of your life. Sure. And you're assimilated to that. You understand it, you know you know, you know how it works. Mm-hmm. Well, if you move somewhere else after that, the dynamics are different. People act differently, mm-hmm. different like um different ways of communicating, different expectations. And Mm -hmm. so you kind of like, you become more secure in who you are. And you also kind of learn the large variety of different types of people there are out there. And you have different expectations of the world entirely, Mm -hmm. you know, because if you grow up in one place the whole time, um, you're stuck thinking that that's what the world is and you're generalizing thinking, Oh, the world is like this place that I grew up in. And Oh, why doesn't everybody think the way I think, you know? And I think that's normal and natural, but like, yeah, when you move and you expose yourself to all these different people and cultures, Mm -hmm. that's when you realize, you know what? Like I'm one sand on one grain of sand on the beach, you know, like, and so that can make you feel both separate and unified at the same time, yeah. you know? And that's the good. point that the last guest that was in, Josh, you know, he grew up in Mongolia, ended up moving mm-hmm. to Russia and facing, you know, some different discriminatory things and racial things there and then moved to the United States. And and that's a point that he really hit on was, you know, when he was growing up in Mongolia, it was like, that was his world. That's all he really could mm-hmm. see. That's all he knew or understood and then shifting into another place. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the shift from Mongolia to Russia is probably a little crazier than like the shift from yeah, that's Nebraska extreme. to Alabama or <laughs> yeah. something like that. But at the same time, it's the same idea that your world is now this much bigger yeah. because you've had the opportunity to see that new place yeah. and, and experience that new food and that new culture and those new people and all these mm-hmm. things. So yeah, yeah. It's, a, 
that's a valuable point and and one that I hope people will hear and recognize if you can or if you have an opportunity like go to your neighboring state or if there's yeah. something that presents itself go take a trip uh, abroad if you have that opportunity ever in your life because it, it's scary and it's intimidating yeah I, or even just like taking a moment to say is that just my upbringing is that just how I've been socialized um mm -hmm. like or maybe you know understanding other people so that you can be more patient with them like because we all have issues with that right like yes. there's always somebody yeah. who triggers you on some level you know right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like in those moments when you run across somebody like that it's like that self-reflection helps to be like okay like maybe the, I just have these expectations because I was socialized this way and be, because that's how I kind of perceive the world or whatever mm -hmm. but maybe it's not fair for me to expect that from them mm -hmm. because i don't know their life or right. maybe maybe i know something about their lives that i should take into account yes. to explain why yeah. things happen yeah. the way they do yeah. you know right and, and being where you're at now as a, as a health coach you also you also talked about how there were some health issues that you faced whether those were related to diet specifically or mm -hmm. otherwise that sort of put you on that journey to mm -hmm. trying to make sure that you were better prepared in order to take care of yourself and yeah. your community. What you talked a little bit about that and I was hoping you could dive in further on that. Yeah. Um, well, after, you know, living life like a regular person, not really like paying attention to like my lifestyle too much. I mean, just following general advice that everyone hears, mm -hmm. I reached a point of health that was really not good for me. Mm -hmm. And, um, really, really taxing for me. Like I could, I was just not functioning yeah. ideally, mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, requiring three hour naps every day. Yeah. And then I was, um, having more issues, like feeling like I was being electrocuted in my sleep. Yeah. Um, almost like a seizure like experience of some sort. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, so as a child, I was diagnosed with a seizure disorder, mm -hmm. but, for many years, I wasn't having like major issues. Yeah. Um, but back in college, it's like it just got worse. And that's when it was like I was sleep. I think it was because I was renting space in this one location. And um, I don't know, like the the location over there, they had black mold oh, man. as well. Yeah, that's no good. So like there, there was a lot like not being totally entirely healthy, mm -hmm. um, being in an environment that was not healthy. Yeah. Um, yeah, my seizures got worse because I wasn't normally, I would have like the type of seizure where you zone out, mm -hmm. you know, like absence seizures is what they call it. Really? Oh my mm -hmm. gosh. Or complex partial seizures. Mm -hmm. um, and then when I was like little, like two, three years old, I would have like a grand mal seizure the you know tonic clonic like shaking and stuff mm -hmm. um but i was having like sleep seizures in college mm -hmm. so um after i got a handle on my lifestyle like i even had acne yeah. and like um really bad heartburn mm -hmm. uh and i wasn't happy with my body my health my energy levels mm -hmm. like none of that was good but after i got on track and kind of like figured out little things to do to alter in my lifestyle mm -hmm. that would increase my, my lifespan, yeah. you know, 
that's what when things started to turn around, mm -hmm. you know. You feel like that was so that decision to really get serious about your health. You feel like that was a, a tipping point that you reached, or was it a subtle sort of crescendo into saying like, "Holy crap, man, I got to change this." What What well, did that look like for you mentally? Like being as tired as I was, yeah. it was something that I like. I longed to be healthy. Mm -hmm. You know, it was something I really wanted for myself, but. Um, you know, things weren't really happening the way, mm -hmm. you know, that I just wanted it to happen. Mm -hmm. So I, because I was pursuing community health, mm -hmm. I decided to use that to help find research to give me answers. Right. So I'm like, okay, like what's going on with my health? Why do I, okay, well, does this cause this problem? Is, is what I'm doing, like anything I could control in my lifestyle, um, how is that linked to how unhealthy I'm feeling right now? Right. You know, like, is there something I can alter? Everything mm -hmm. I did came into question. Everything other people did came into question and became a research question for me. Mm -hmm. Is this, a, is this not healthy? Is this not good? What's the problem with this particular food? And yeah. well, how much sleep do we really need? And like, you know, all those questions, how much water do we really need? Like, um, yeah. an investigative approach. Almost. Yeah. 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 An investigative approach. So like, you know, in community health and in public health, you're like always coming across research articles, scholarly articles, you have access to databases and mm -hmm. things like that. So it was perfect, you know, for me to be able to figure out answers. Right. You know? Yeah. So I just like, what I would do is I'd print off our research articles mm -hmm. and I would go reading and highlighting and, yeah. you know, making little notes of the little things that I learned. Right. And then I would take all those little tips into practice in, and uh, test them out yeah. on myself, you yeah. know? So, like, I started off with, like, little, like, love handles. And as you already know about my state of health and how crappy it was. Mm -hmm. um, but now, like, I'm 33 years old mm -hmm. and I don't have any of those issues. It's mm -hmm. like I, I aged in reverse, you know, <laughs> yeah. just by changing different lifestyle things, right. you know? Like, I feel a lot better. Um, yes, I live a fairly strict lifestyle. Sure. Like, I do, yeah. like, watch what I do. And I, I do have, like, a regimen that I generally stick to. Mm -hmm. But then I still do other things, too, like, that, that other people can relate to. Like, I might join in on pizza night or something but oh, I, it's not yeah. something i'd be doing all the time you know right. yeah and it's, so it's a lesson in moderation but also i think a lesson in just being self-aware you know you mm -hmm. obviously you recognize that there was a change that you wanted to realize within yourself mm -hmm. and you had the tools and the education to say here are some things i yeah. need to to modify or tweak and let's just you know, you're the test dummy at that point, you know, yeah. let's make an adjustment here. Does that have an effect on my feelings or my health outcomes? Mm -hmm. Maybe not. Maybe I need to do something else. And it's just a trial and error process. Exactly. But it does take time. It does take effort. And it does take plenty, I think, of failures or steps back yeah. before you can get to the right point. So it's like it was like you were asking me, you know, is it was it like a something I just jumped into or was it something that I like slowly transitioned into? Mm -hmm. And I guess that's my best way of answering it is like, I longed to do it. I, if I could have just jumped into it, I would have, yeah. but it was like a whole process that I had to kind of like discover along the way and find out. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks for tuning in to the Wealth of Self podcast. The audio only version of these stories can be found on nearly every major podcast streaming platform from Spotify to Apple podcasts and many, many more. 
Your support as we grow this movement is immensely appreciated. You can help us out by leaving a rating, writing a short review, or even sharing it with a friend or a loved one who you feel would benefit from hearing these stories. Finally, if you're interested in seeing the video interview that accompanies these stories, head over to our YouTube channel or our Facebook page for the full viewing experience. While you're there, don't forget to leave a like, subscribe, or follow the channel, and share your thoughts in the comment section. For additional information on how to support the Wealth of Self, head over to www.wealthofself.com. Now, let's get back to the interview. All right, welcome back to The Wealth of Self. Thanks for taking a minute to check out our break period, and we're back with Karis Williams. We're going to dive right back in here. So we're back now, and, and one of the things also in your forum you discuss is how influential your mom was in your life. I wanted mm -hmm. you to, to dive in on that a little bit because I, I, I no longer have my mom, unfortunately. Oh, I, I miss sorry. her dearly, but she, she put so much goodness into me as a person. And I, I thank her every day for her lessons. And, you know, a mother is irreplaceable Absolutely. and it's such a valuable uh, component in being raised right, I think. For sure. Yeah. yeah, I mean, from the time you're born, that, you know, you're, first of all, you're connected physically with her from the beginning yeah. and then you're separated and then there's probably <laughs> some type of anxiety going on there. That's why the babies cry so much and uh, stuff. You plenty know? of stress involved in that <laughs> transaction, yeah. 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 My mom, she like, she was very attentive to mm -hmm. my growth and development, mm -hmm. you know, like um, <clears throat> lots of lectures and like moments of reflection, helping to, you know, she would help point out thing, things, mindsets that I'd fallen into yeah. and like help me to reflect on myself mm -hmm. and help me to be less um ego driven mm -hmm. and more willing to be honest with myself mm -hmm. and critical in an even and balanced way yeah you know? yeah not yeah. overly so i think you, you look at a parent and i guess there can be a confusion almost between a judgment and trying to bring the good elements of that yeah. that young person out because i think a good parent is always trying to bring out the best parts of yeah. us as their children. And that that sometimes can be a bit of a fine line where it's like they're trying to do good, but, uh, you know, over guidance or, or, or over judgment about certain mm -hmm. things could be almost perceived as like negative in some instances. Yeah. Like so it's it like could, a fine line. Like it sounds like it could sound that way, mm -hmm. you know, but like it wasn't, it was, just awareness. Mm -hmm. it, it wasn't like a judgment there because, right. you know, I felt her love for yes. me, you yeah. know, and um, she was always a very affectionate, caring person, mm -hmm. very, um, you know, most people when they meet her found her to be just delightful yeah. to be with and be around. Yeah. So it wasn't, it, she wasn't like a super like hypercritical, like, person who couldn't tolerate things or something course, no yeah. it wasn't yeah it was all about like just helping me to see you know helping me to see and learn how to think mm -hmm. you know learn how to um observe mm -hmm. you know and yeah like even she was talking about um part of how she was raised even was mm -hmm. like um her mom 
and her dad would stop and say like look at the flower you mm-hmm. know look at the little things uh, you know the little details like yeah. pay attention to the little things right. you know so um she's just really good at that and mm-hmm. i think that's helped me i'm so happy that she was able to offer that perspective i feel blessed yeah you know to have had that growing up because i know a lot of people don't you know that's unfortunate when that that's the case yeah. yeah were there any moments that stood out to you in in during your childhood where your mom really helped you see the other side of a situation or put you on the right track whenever you were maybe uncertain in a certain uh, mm. situation anything that stands out I, you know i have always kind of been like a private person sure even with my mom yeah so yeah. i think more of that learning process was in preparation mm-hmm. like for the things that i would end end up facing in life yeah. you know because when i faced certain things it wasn't like i was running back to my mom and what do i do about this right you know right um it was more so like she taught me this moral structure to follow and to be aware of throughout my life and through my um navigating through my endeavors in life right, and everything right you know so there were I, I guess there weren't like specific instances necessarily but there were more overarching lessons that prepared yeah. you for anything and everything that could conceivably yeah happen, essentially yeah and just yeah. like staying true to your values mm-hmm. you know like honesty love yeah, yeah. you know things like that um are like they're like the guiding lights through right. life you yeah. know yeah well it's a good segue point because you also talked about how your mom was more religious in nature and while mm-hmm. as you got older you weren't necessarily finding yourself to be mm-hmm. so much religious but still a, a, a lot of spirituality in the way that you approach what you do and approach yeah. your relationships with other people so where did that where did that division happen but also those similarities with how you perceive the world kind of go into that with me yeah well my mom she you know she's always been like really religious and now we're at this weird point where like i'm not religious anymore sure (laughs) so um we we still have a healthy relationship there's Mm -hmm. still love and communication and we love to bond and spend time and things like that Mm -hmm. um but yeah things are different now because Mm -hmm. you know when you're you believe completely different and sometimes like she'll say things that don't particularly ring true to me you know because i'm i have different beliefs now when it comes to religion Mm -hmm. you know but it's she is like the perfect you know to me i feel like she's the perfect person to have that type of relationship with because the relationship the relationship still remains yeah. like it doesn't just fall apart just because right just because we believe differently mm-hmm. you know and that's it, it, that's a topic that can be very divisive i think for some people mm-hmm. i mean you look at the things that you don't talk about at the dinner table right it's like religion and politics yeah and it's it's that i think that's unfortunate first of all because i think in the society we're in today those things are very, very polarizing to the point yeah. where a lot of folks can't even touch the subject without getting heated or emotional about it. But that's exactly what we need is we need to be able to talk about these things yeah. with a level head and have a calm and collected attitude about it because that's the only way. Yeah. That's the only way to, you even make progress. You yeah. Know? 
Yeah, like we we can't identify too much with the identity that we've been assigned. So right. like, you know, if you, if you think of every little thing about you that makes you you, mm-hmm. like it doesn't really like there's still something beyond that that's you. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like I could take away my hair, you mm-hmm. know? I could get in a horrific accident and I, my whole physical body will look different. Right. Mm -hmm. But still there's me under there, you know, at the end of the day, like we have to kind of step away from all of our little identities and thinking that we're so correct and so right on everything. And just realize like, it's better if we're united as one, like as you know, we can still have harmony with other people Mm -hmm. and, love and positive relationships even if we believe differently you know well if you could um you know get that message out there with with more vigor that'd be a good thing i I feel like we all i think we all kind of know that deep down yeah but so often we're not practicing that and especially with with what we consume in our our media and our social media and all these different Mm -hmm. these things I, I don't I don't think that message is the one that's pushed very often. Oh no. So. Well, it's so easy to kind of like fall into thinking like that because you know, you enter a room and, you know, you talk to somebody and they need something to talk about, so they're like, you know, <laughs> going to talk about whatever is easy to relate or can build a quick connection and some mm-hmm. people feel they can only bond by like talking about certain things. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, putting certain people down so that you can be friends. And, you know, people have different ways of operating. And so I think, like, often we just have misconceptions about, like, what leads to connection, Mm -hmm. you know? Because I think a lot of people are just misguided. They want connection, but they don't realize that they're, like, to build a connection, they're killing a connection, you know? Mm -hmm. Like... Yeah, talking about other people and and like identifying too hard with our little group, you know, sure. like oh, we're the r- spiritual ones or we're the religious right. ones and we're you know we're this club and we're that club. Right. Instead, it should be like you know why can't we all just live together in peace and just yeah. be a family? Like you well, know. Well, I think it's hard for people to be vulnerable. I think a lot of really genuinely, truly deep connection comes from being able to be vulnerable with yourself yeah. and people you're closest with. And that's not easy. That's I true. mean, it's 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 exceedingly difficult to 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 be truly yeah. vulnerable. With because people. you're like putting yourself out there at the risk of being injured. And I think a yes. lot of us have like trauma mm-hmm. that we had to deal with, like a rejection or you know, like a all kinds yeah, of fear of failure. And it, that's for me. I terrified mm-hmm. of well, I don't even know. Yeah. I mean there's, there's <laughs> We all have a fear of failure. Yeah. I there's feel something. Like, there's something in there yeah, for each of us. Yeah. For sure. I wanted to read this because in your in your submission you had something that was really profound. And I might even use this for an intro piece, but it, you talk about knowing, honoring, and accommodating yourself. Yeah. And understanding others in order to gain patience and listen to the signs and synchronicities of life. Mm-hmm by paying attention to your intuition and not being afraid to stand alone or find your purpose. Mm -hmm. That's like so well written. I I feel like I could write a lot on just that one like long run on sentence. Yeah. Tell me (laughs) about some of the motivations behind that statement and the profound nature of it, because truly there are, there are so many pieces in there that 
are it just it's really nicely written. Thank <laughs> so, you. Yeah. Um, I feel like well, within the past, like I don't know, a couple years mm -hmm. or so, that's when I became more like spiritual because I had a situation where I had some doubts mm -hmm. and um, it led me down this whole journey. Mm -hmm. And then I just decided like, I'm just gonna, um, since I don't really know what to believe and it seems like all these organizations, these, you know, religious organizations are giving out like, oh, believe this, believe that, believe that. Like, I want to be, I just want to connect with God. Like, can I just talk to him and he tell me what it is, yeah, you know? Right. So that's when I just started like doing that. Like, basically I just pray, um, and I follow my intuition. Mm -hmm. I listen to the signs and synchronicities. So, mm -hmm. um, the little things that happen in your life that send little messages, like, sure. Like, uh, and I always give this example is like, let's say you're dealing with something, there's some struggle you're going through yeah. that someone else that you're talking to mm -hmm. doesn't know about, mm -hmm. but then they say something and it's like, how <laughs> did they know the perfect yeah. thing to say? Yeah. You know, right. um, that's like a synchronicity, you know, like that's a message from the universe. That's a message from God telling you like pay attention. This is what I want for you. This is, you know, I want you mm -hmm. to be happy. And this is, I want you to grow. And this is what I want you to learn to move forward. You know, right. kind of seeing every experience in life that we go through as an opportunity for growth, right. you mm -hmm. know, and then the more we work on ourselves, the more things open up to us, you know, mm -hmm. like addressing all of our limiting beliefs, mm -hmm. all the ideas that we have in our mind that we've been convinced are true, you know, that have tainted the way that we view the world and the way that we present ourselves to the world, right. you know, like, yeah, that following that journey, I feel that's, that's been like the most life-changing thing yeah. for me. And I think that takes a lot of bravery too. And you've displayed a lot of bravery in that sense, because you've obviously had your ears open to these things and your eyes open to watching out for these little signs and saying, mm -hmm. okay, I'm not going to push that away. I'm going to accept that. What does that mean for me? Yeah. How do I take that and grow with it? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, again, I'm not a religious person either. And finding more spirituality in my life is something that I've craved for a long time. I think living in DC and, and this, you know, this place being more or less like a concrete jungle, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's not as big as New York or some other major city like that. But at the same time, my ability to connect with nature has been more limited here than yeah. I would like. And there are many times where I reflect on trips out to Colorado or even going up to Canada to camp and things like that, where I'm just like, those were moments where mm -hmm. I felt really connected. Yeah. And I don't get a lot of that here. And I don't like that. And, yeah. I, and I know that that's, again, a subtle sign saying, hey, maybe it's time to try and push toward these things. Absolutely. Try and pursue that and fill your life with them. And uh, just one one note that you made mention of, you know, paying attention to these little signs mm -hmm. and listening to that um, when right right around the time when my mom passed, it was really fascinating because her sister, who hadn't visited in the longest time, came up to the house and and visited. I was home. Cheryl was with me while we were home. My 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 dad's brother, his younger brother, Greg, came down from Idaho and visited and his son, Darren, came from Illinois. And it was like 
all these like, people just yeah everybody, yeah it was like all these people sort of descended on the house and we just spent time together we talked you know there was a lot of you know reminiscing about old family stories all these things and then you know it was like the next day kind of thing when she passed as sad as mm. that was my dad and i have talked about that and was just like man that was sort of interesting. It was so it's perfect. Yeah. You know, like if you were in her position at the time and you were preparing to die, mm -hmm. that would be the most beautiful thing that everybody come in like right before you pass. Like, yeah. And yeah. it's like, a, it, and, and I know that she wasn't ready. I know that. Mm. Right. There, well, there were health issues there that preceded that event. Mm. It was just, it was just very, very yeah, it was, it was an interesting time. To, to know that so many of her most beloved uh, people were, were there right then. Um, and, I, and I'm still debating that, you know, because I'm not somebody who assigns a name to a higher power or, mm -hmm. you know, knows what that looks like necessarily. But it's just interesting. I, and, I, and I continue to reflect on that to this day. It's, it's uh, yeah. something I think back on. And I, and I strive in my life to look for more moments like that. Yeah. To look for those little subtle intricacies and those, you know, coincidental joining points yeah. of life. I think that's, you know, fascinating. The, the longer you live <laughs> and the more experiences you have, the more beautiful those little moments are. Yeah. So. Or, you know, just like paying attention, paying attention to like what because I, I feel like like you know a higher power you know is trying to communicate to you some people will say oh it's your higher self mm -hmm. or it's your subconscious mind or mm -hmm. it's the great spirit or it's god or yahweh or you know a lot whatever you whatever yeah the name but is. it's yeah. like there's something that is really dedicated to your personal growth mm -hmm. like earth is a school and like we're Technically, we're in, it's like we're in hell, right? <laughs> <laughs> elaborate, but, <laughs> please, elaborate. But as you learn and you grow and you're learning yourself, really, because that, that, there's no other person you can control in this world but you, mm -hmm. you know? So, like, as you grow and you perfect and work on yourself, mm -hmm. <clears throat> that's when you start to realize, oh, so, like, my outer world is really a reflection of my inner world. Like oh, very much my so. inner yeah. thought processes and perceptions. All perception. And, yeah. Perception. Yeah. Yeah. And you talked about limiting beliefs and how, you know, those, those, those limiting beliefs can be extremely detrimental sometimes to the way that you navigate this life. Yeah. And, um, and I, and I think that's one interesting point I wanted to weave in is because you are a business owner. Mm. You, um, you have a service that's dedicated to trying to help people grow and improve themselves. And, you know, there, I'm sure as with any business owner, there are some limiting beliefs that go mm -hmm. into that early phase of adopting this lifestyle of, you know, trying to do things on your own. Did you face mm -hmm. those and how did you overcome them? Yeah. Um, limiting beliefs like, um, oh, I'm just, you know, you know, I don't have the perfect body. So how do I sell this program? Because I don't look, you know, the way that all these other girls look who are selling a program, you know, mm -hmm. um, that that's one of the limiting beliefs I've had, yeah. you know, um, but at the same time, it's like, you know, I, I get to be human too. Like, and I'm not going to get, I refuse to get surgeries mm -hmm. and, um, I'm doing everything lifestyle based and I, there's only so much that. I really care to do mm -hmm. and I'm happy where I'm at 
And because I'm happy where I'm at, why should I be so concerned about all these other people and what I think right. they're going to think? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's their and problem. Because I think <laughs> I don't have a perfect body. Yeah. You know, some, somebody, I'm thinking nobody's going to take me seriously, but that's just extreme black and white thinking like, yeah. oh, nobody, you know? And then, yeah. So that would be like one limiting belief that I've had to deal with. And that's what we're shown, you know, especially like I think about when I started to get into fitness and started to exercise more and play sports, like, you know, it was the muscle and development magazines or whatever else yeah. had these just ripped up dudes on the front. And you know, you, you look into that more and more and you recognize that, you know, not all of that's natural growth. Yeah. And, um, there are surgeries involved and other performance enhancing yeah. substances that are used to Fo achieve photo editing and fo stuff. Yep, Photoshop, right. Mm -hmm. uh, lighting, you know, different little tricks of the trade. And that's what's sold to a lot of people as, yeah. you know, this is, this is fitness or this is health. Yeah. And, uh, it's refreshing to know that, you know, you don't have to look perfect to be happy and to be healthy. Yeah. And you can still get the results that you're looking for. Mm -hmm. You just have to put in the work, you know, because yes. it's like, I think they have made people see weight loss as like this, like, um, unrealistic thing. Like a lot of people just feel hopeless trying to lose weight. And mm -hmm. the reason for that is because it's not realistic. They yeah. have like these people who've been photo edited and that is supposedly yeah. reality. Like that yeah. they're trying to parade as not reality. Even that, yeah. Cause even even the ones who are putting in tons of time mm -hmm. and effort often are having their photos edited. Yes. <laughs> so it's like yeah, it's the extra layer of yeah. uh, fakeness, you know, yeah. that, that it makes the impossible separation po uh, a reality, I guess, in these images that we see. Yeah. 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 Well, um, you have done so much, and I think your your plans are still in progress. There's so much more that you mm -hmm. want to do. And For sure. more lives that you want to touch. So what, what are some of the things that you're heading toward? What What is what is next for Karis Williams? Yeah, so... Um, I uh, just started, um, I have this like shared gym space that mm -hmm. I'm going to be doing some uh, training in the gym mm -hmm. and uh, also uh, delving more into the coaching mm -hmm. where I'm helping people kind of examine themselves so that they can find that inner motivation. Right. Because really like nowadays, the issue is not so much, um, I think, yes, a lot of people are misinformed at one and then two um people are not motivated they're just uh lost confused discouraged mm -hmm. and they feel hopeless and they, they don't want to make certain changes even though they know that sometimes they might need to be changed or or they might not know something you know that could help in ways so i feel like yeah the coaching is more most important to me right mm -hmm. now to be able to offer that because yeah. Um, people need somebody to hold them accountable, somebody to help them reflect on how they're managing these situations in their lives mm -hmm. and, and how they're like sabotaging themselves. In some you instances. Know? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think that's a, a lot of the time. That's what we do, right. you know, because we all, Kill everybody <laughs> has some level of trauma they're dealing with, yeah. you know, everybody. So like, you know, and, and when it comes to like, junk food and um things like that even just like 
eating generally healthy and you want to just step it up and eat a little healthier, mm -hmm. you know, it can be hard for people. So, well, part of this project for you sounds like in-home and virtual training as well as health yeah, coaching. Exactly. And that's, that's the wave. You know, I think pan, uh, the pandemic with COVID opened that door for people who hadn't thought mm -hmm. about, uh, virtual coaching sessions before, mm -hmm. because now you've got a camera set up in your living room and you're having clients in on a 40 minute training session through a zoom call or something like mm -hmm. that. And even though you can't be there in person, you're still able to make some change or influence them in some way, shape or yeah. form. And, and things are mostly back to normal now. So that's not as common, but it's still, some people don't have time to drive to the gym or, yeah. you know, even if you're somebody who goes and visits them, maybe that's too many logistics for yeah, you to deal with. Yeah, and I mean, I'm trying to help discourage people. That's really what I want. Because who needs help? I'm not, I don't want to just help anybody who, who doesn't really need my help. Like there are people who literally are not motivated to exercise. Mm -hmm. And so they need someone to show up at their door and say, come on, let's exercise, yeah. you know? Or like... The people who are like, I have a hard time saying no. If somebody offers me pizza, I, I'm having it. Yeah. You know, like someone who Free wants food. to conquer themselves in right. some way and they're having a hard time and they need to sort that out, you know, like, yeah. So I would be able to help people to have a different perspective, help them to have some self-awareness when mm -hmm. it comes to that and, and figure out methods that work for them, you know, to help them to stick to it better. Because right. really at the end of the day, You've got people saying, I'm going to do this. I, I want to do this. But when that, you know, when they get started, they're like, how can I keep doing this? Right. I don't think I can do this anymore. Mm -hmm. This is hard. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. And that accountability is so important because I, I you talk about, uh, and I'm by no means an expert in this in any way, shape or form, or even that educated. But when it comes to uh, dopamine for the modern person, we get so many kicks of dopamine every every single day, whether that's through social media, through the internet. Yeah. For a lot of people who have goals that set out for themselves, and this is where I have trouble, I think through my goal or I think through my desired outcome. Mm -hmm. And it's a little bit of a mental dopamine kick for me to think mm -hmm. about me being there. But it's different than actually taking yeah. action, standing up and doing it. And finding a way whether that's through a mentor or through mm -hmm. a coach or someone to say, there's a big difference here between you just wanting to do it and getting your butt up and doing it. Absolutely. And uh, yeah. that's where I think, you know, you could inspire so many yeah, people and help so many people. Yeah, because I feel like more than anything, it's a mental thing. Like mm -hmm. people think, oh, you just got to exercise. Like, no, like it's more than that. Like we really have to get a handle on the way we think and reframe everything mm -hmm. because you're essentially becoming a different part of yourself. You're yes. becoming your ideal self. You're stepping into the timeline and the goal, the goals that you wanted. Like you have this vision of what you want and who you want to be. Mm -hmm. And I feel like when you jump into this new lifestyle, you have to, you have to, um, jump into this new person, yeah. you know? So yeah. it's, you're redefining yourself. So, yeah. And that can be yeah. scary because yeah. we get comfortable with who we are in times and in our routines and our lifestyles. Yeah. And if you really want to change, sometimes that means you kind of let go of those older parts of yourself. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Well, when it comes to the wealth of self, the whole idea behind the podcast is to, to look at people's journeys and identify what things whether those were successes or failures or triumphs or struggles or whatever that is in your life that helped define your true sense of wealth. Mm -hmm. 
Some people look at that from a financial perspective. Other people look at that from uh, a community and relationship perspective. What What is wealth to you? Uh, I mean, my perspective has totally shifted because, like, I always was thinking, like, you know, financial, like, you know, because everyone wants a comfortable life, you know. Mm -hmm. But what means the most to me is the spiritual because it opens up to everything else. Like, once you're connected and being personally guided towards where you're supposed to be, mm -hmm. um, that's where the meaning lies. Like, there's what what other fulfillment is there in life, you know? And and like I I feel like I've been able to do so much more by jumping into like self examination and following my intuition and just focusing on my personal growth. Mm -hmm. Like I've been able to like doors have just opened as a result of that, mm -hmm. you know, and that's God working towards you. That's, you know, um, yeah, you talked about an attitude of gratitude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel it's important to have an attitude of gratitude. Mm -hmm. Um, the more, the more positive things you put out the more positive will come to you. Like that's mm -hmm. just the way things operate, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, Yes, that that does sound kind of like selfish, like, oh, I'm just going to be grateful so that I can get something. Yeah. But <laughs> but at the end of the day, it's true. It's like everybody does want good things and it's a positive motor motivator mm -hmm. rather than it being like, oh, you should be punished for um, the bad things you do. It's more like uh, an incentive to put good into the world, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So incentivizing good rather than you know, threatening, right. You know, it's yeah. more of a positive motivation. And I think it's all about energy too. Like if you can put good yeah. energy into the world, then there are chance, there's good chance that good energy will come back to you. But absolutely, if, you know, if you're putting that bad energy into the world, there are, it's karma, right? Yeah. You know, things come back. And, or even uh, like, um, like the limiting beliefs thing, like, mm -hmm. like let's use relationships, for example, like if you enter a relationship with the mindset that, oh, relationships, they just never work out. Well, that's going to put a whole taint yeah. on like how things happen and mm -hmm. how things play out in your relationship. And it's whether you know it or not, your energy is going to give off that and people are going to pick up on it. And eventually mm -hmm. it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. In a you way, know? yeah, you kind of manifest it into your relationship. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we have to always have like a nice observance of ourselves so that we can, um, you know, mm -hmm. uh, attract better things into our lives and yeah. take more accountability because yeah. I think a lot of the time we bring trouble on ourselves mm -hmm. because of the mentalities that we embrace. And hopefully you're in a position in life uh, where you have people around you who can also help you stay accountable. Uh, because if you've got, you know, friends who never give you any pointers or never, yeah. you know, say, Hey, maybe think about this. It, it can be tough love sometimes, right. but having the right people in your life to, uh, to guide you during tough moments, it can be very, yeah. you know, and that's true love. You know, if somebody is just pandering to your feelings and just trying to, you know, keep the peace, that's not, 
Um, that's not real love because real love is concerned with your well-being, regardless of how you feel or not. You know, they they want the best for you, and that's not to say they would intentionally try to hurt you right. because they love you or something. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but you know, like someone who can just be honest with you—that's mm. real love. You know, yeah. honest yet you know kind, gentle. Mm. You know, yeah. Well said. Well said. <laughs> Well, if uh, somebody wanted to reach out to you and get some help or maybe get their life back on the right track when it comes to their nutrition or, or their, their workout routines or even, you know, some, I don't know about spiritual guidance or anything like that, but just <laughs> conversations about how to yeah. get the mind right. Where, how would somebody get in touch with you? Yeah. So um, they can go to fitbycaris.com. Mm-hmm. Uh Karis spelled C H A R I S. Yes. <laughs> the H is silent. And it's Greek, as you said yeah, before, right? Yeah, my name yeah. is Greek. Yep. It means grace. Very so, cool. Yeah. Well, um, I just want to say thanks again for stopping by, having this conversation with me. And thanks for having me. I'm I'm really hopeful that as as we discussed before we ever started recording, that there are you know, some young people out there, maybe those are young women who have been on this journey to start their own business or, you know, realize a dream who are able to hear your story and say, uh, you know, despite having to overcome some challenges, you have been, you've been doing it. Mm -hmm. And I think the goal is for you to continue to do it. And so, uh, that, that could be all the motivation somewhere out there, someone, somewhere out there yeah needs to, i hope i can inspire it. some people you know like don't give up on your dreams and yeah. um and don't talk yourself out of like out of it like don't think that you are unworthy or like an imposter and you're not really who you're trying to be like um you know like i do want to be able to help empower other people so that they can uh, be motivated to meet their own goals, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. you have, and you'll continue to do Thank so. Thank you. So. Thanks so much for having me. You're welcome. And the great deep conversation and yeah. everything. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to the Wealth of Self podcast. The audio only version of these stories can be found on nearly every major podcast streaming platform from Spotify to Apple podcasts and many, many more. Your support as we grow this movement is immensely appreciated. You can help us out by leaving a rating, writing a short review, or even sharing it with a friend or a loved one who you feel would benefit from hearing these stories. Finally, if you're interested in seeing the video interview that accompanies these stories, head over to our YouTube channel or our Facebook page for the full viewing experience. While you're there, don't forget to leave a like, subscribe, or follow the channel and share your thoughts in the comment section. For additional information on how to support the wealth of self, head over to www.wealthofself.com. Thank you so much for your viewership. We'll see you on the next one.